1: And welcome back, everyone. This is the Exxon. I am Rob McConnell, coming to you from our broadcast center and studios in Crystal Beach, Ontario, Canada. If you'd like to send us an email, Exxon at X-Zone dot com. on all social media sites, X-Zone Radio TV. And for the uh X-Zone TV channel that is exclusive to SimulTV, www.Simultv.com. Wow. I'm just trying to Unwrapped my head from our last uh, guest of the Flat Earth. I, I just can't buy into it. I just really can't, but Lee was very gracious, and uh, it was a good conversation, pro and con. You know, that's, um, that's what it's all about. Actually, there's three sides to every story. There's his side, her side, and the truth. So I guess in this case, we'll just have to go with science on one side, religion on the other, and that still doesn't work out, but what the heck. A lot of people are into the flat earth. I didn't, I was unaware of that. Anyway, our guest this hour is a gentleman who is as busy as I am at times. His his name is Bennett Vonderheide. And for the majority of his 60 years, he spent as a business owner from concert production to wholesale distribution, children's character, entertainment, product development, and property renovations. But the past 17 years, he has been dramatically divergent. After being falsely accused numerous times, Ben was eventually vindicated, but only after years of investigating and representing himself pro se in court. Having developed special skill sets, Ben then devoted his life to helping other falsely accused, becoming expert in targeting and exposing corrupt judges, police, lawyers, government officials, and more. He carries out his missions as a video Gelanti under the moniker Daddy Justice. Joining us now is the one and only Daddy Justice, and I'm talking about Ben von der and Ben, welcome to the x
0: Thank you, Rob, for having me
1: on. Great having you here. Tell us a little bit more about your your, your story, which is very intriguing. Uh, you were falsely accused?
0: Well, my uh, me and 20 million other Americans, as the, as, as the story goes in regards to the custody and divorce courts now you're in Canada I've been contacted by many individuals over the years from Canada Mm -hmm. who tell me that it is as biased against fathers in your country as it is in ours unfortunately yeah and there is a uh, there is a entire industry built around um uh, targeting and falsely accusing and prosecuting and punishing men in america and in canada whether they are guilty or not and yes i fell prey to that many years ago and fortunately uh i'm still here but i will say uh, in a dubious capacity i'm i've been charged with more crimes than anyone you will ever find uh who was innocent and that's primarily because I got off of so many. They kept charging me with more. I mean, I'm blessed because, as we know, people are charged with one crime and go to jail for 30 years. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, But, yeah, so I did, uh, at one point in time, recognize the system was not going to work. And so I took things into my own hands and um, and flipped the script, as they say. And I picked up a camera and... Began to do uh, covert operations and then overt operations and video and psych ops and then put out short videos on the Internet exposing those who were part of the machine. And, uh, and that then led to others who were involved in uh, being falsely accused of crimes. Mothers who had their children taken away falsely by child services oh was gosh. another area that we... That
1: I fell into. You know, up here in Canada, like you were saying, it is the exact same. Mothers get the, you know, their word is solid, you know, dad, oh, bad, pretty bad. And, yeah, and even when it comes to men who are abused by their spouses, and there's a lot of that, there's not the same resources available to a man who's abused by their partner as their are for a woman who's abused by her partner, which I think is totally unfair.
0: Well, in America, there is, again, an industry. There's the Violence Against Women's Act, which uh, combined with the corporate donations and other fraudulent ways they've raised money Mm -hmm. telling people they're fighting for... I mean, we're on the same side as the truly abused women because these uh, individuals, and it does happen where men do it sometimes, but primarily women, when they falsely accuse someone and use those resources... And they're taking them away from the, the women who truly need them, and uh, but there's an industry that was developed, and billions of dollars per year donated or, or uh, driven into these private nonprofit corporations and government and suedo government agencies. And I remember the first time I I showed up for court, and I walked in with a now off the planet attorney, who was one of the nice attorneys I ever met i am not fond of attorneys. I don't work. I <laughs> uh, work pro se and, and right. these people to work pro se. That's how you win the cases. But he said to me when I walked in, I saw the mother of my son come in sort flanked by people I'd never seen. they were they were scour faces, or dour mm. individuals and and women, and they looked angry at me, and they wanted to take my son from me and put me in prison. and I asked him, who are these people <laughs> and why yeah. do they want to take my son from me and put me in prison? He said, now, excuse my language, it was a quote. He said, they are the mealy-mouthed bitches of the domestic violence industry. And again, excuse the French. Sure. I was somewhat struck, but I came to find that there are these this uh, domestic violence industry. As an example, in in Florida... The woman who heads it up was making three hundred thousand dollars a year. My I mean, they're Lord. not helping out shelters; they're they're profiteers. And uh, but, anyways, uh, yes, yeah, so I came to find that unfortunately, police were more than willing to get up on the stand and lie. Judges were uh, influenced more by the uh, women's voters groups mm-hmm. and by the what's popular. Now, they can't, on, in their defense, they can't let a guy out who might be. Uh, guilty, and then he goes and he kills the, the the female. Right. Then they get press all over the place. If they put a thousand guys in prison or innocent, they don't get any bad press.
1: That's right.
0: So, <laughs> but anyways, so I raged against that machine. I wasn't. I didn't choose it, but it was chosen, and uh, I became very effective. And uh, yeah, we've gotten uh, judges knocked off the bench. Good and, for uh, you. About 400 stories. And change cases. Primarily, the biggest thing is that we've been able to help mostly men and some women stay in their children's lives. And therefore, we've been able to help children keep their fathers. Yeah. Which is, uh, you know, there it is. You know, and that's what's
1: lacking. Unfortunately, in any domestic case, it's the children who suffer. You know, they're, they're used as pawns. And I'm glad to see a person like you who's actually standing up for the truth and going after the truth. So hats off to you.
0: Yes, yeah, so and when we get into a case, you're exactly right. The the target, my son, my son Q is here with me. Has worked on cases with me, and, and the goal is almost always the same, with rare exception, get them out of the court system. Yeah, because <laughs> there's that, that's going to consume and digest and chop them into little pieces, and What we do is we, again, flip the script, we turn the camera and we look, and it's not hard to find how the courts, because there's been no accountability and there's been absolute uh, no limit on their power. Hmm. I mean, the, the divorce courts in America are the fastest growing courts in the history of the world. Wow. There's more money in them than any courts in the history of the world. There's absolutely no accountability. You got these judges, who holds them accountable? Nobody. The public doesn't even know what's going on until they get called in here. But, yeah, so it's a, it's an entire industry. And what we've been able to do locally, and, and then I did go to uh, our state capital, and and then I went to Washington, D.C., and, uh, and was threatened with arrest on all those places, I'm happy to say, surrounded by police at each event and told I would be arrested for trying to film people carrying out the uh, duties which they are elected to do and hired to do. And I know you're a police officer, and you know there's a lot that's been going on lately, and certainly cameras mm-hmm. have been a, the biggest part of that. When I was doing this initially—
1: <laughs> Listen, I, I, and,
0: hate,
1: I hate to do this, right? Ben, but I've got to take a break. Please stand by, and uh, we'll continue this very fascinating conversation. And, and like I said, my hat is off to you and those that you work with you for the great work you're doing. It's about time somebody did it, and I'm glad it's here. Thank you very much. Exxonation, our guest this hour is Ben Vonderheide. I'm sorry about that, Ben. His website, um, Ben, what's the website, the best website for people to go to?
0: Daddyjustice.com. I'm sorry? Daddyjustice.com.
1: All right. Ben and I will be back on the other side of this break as we continue our conversation right here in the Exxon from our broadcast center and studios in Crystal Beach, Ontario, Canada. Don't go away. Everyone, I oh, love the Hollies, right? They were the good old days. You could actually understand what people were singing. <laughs> now my grandchildren come over and it's like, oh, get that stuff out of the house.
0: Oh. <laughs> well, I like your 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 view, audience doesn't know, it, but you play the song Anticipation when yeah. we're waiting to go on the first time. That's just great.
1: Carly Simon. You know, I still remember yeah, that song from the Heinz catch-up commercial. <laughs> Yes, <laughs> how
0: about it? How about it? Yeah. Um, John Hines, a good man from over in this way in Pennsylvania, actually.
1: Yes. Yeah, um, you've done so much. What was it that that brought you to the point where you got the nickname Daddy Justice? And, in fact, that's the website, daddyjustice.com. Uh, the fact that... You went to Washington and other places where you were surrounded by police, and they told you that if you filmed, they would arrest you. Uh, isn't there a right that protects you in the Constitution against that?
0: Well, as you know, being a police officer, the one charge you can never beat is the P.O.P. Uh, pissing off police. <laughs> so <laughs> it's there. You know, it's the interpretation of the law, yeah. and I have a simple rule, Rob, that. I do stand up for, and at one point in time, I—it was years ago when the Lancaster County District Attorney, Fi, District Attorney, finally advised the police officers in the field, "Let him alone. He knows the law better than you do." But uh, I have a rule that up until they club me, the, they look like they're going to club <laughs> me on the head. You know, I—I I, I stand up for my rights. Absolutely, we know now that you have a right to film police at all times when they're on duty. And you have a right to film a judge if he's walking down the street. Of course. But when I began this years ago, that was not the paradigm. Really? Police officers were, oh, yeah, I think I put 31 episodes of Film Police 101 out, 31 different times, which weren't all of them, Where from Lancaster to New Jersey to Harrisburg Center, Capitol, to Washington, D.C., time and again. I was told that I could not film police officers and uh, and threatened many times, and, uh, and and I've been charged. I mean, they've tried to put me in jail for 30 years altogether if you add up all the charges they've brought against me. Uh, so yes, there was Unreal. a... real. Uh, and even judges on the street, and you'll see it on my videos, but then what I would do is I would just film them, and they tell me I can't film them, and then i just put it on the internet the next day and <laughs> prove to them that they're wrong. <laughs> I love it. I love it. <laughs> and then, uh, then they got angry. And, you know. But over the years, they've developed a level of respect, and, uh, and they'd prefer to just not in- engage. Well, and they know, know they're wrong because they, they can be filmed. You know, it's been proven legally now.
1: Well, if, they have, if there's nothing to fear, if they're not doing anything wrong, why would they mind if you're filming them?
0: Well, that's a good question. I mean, they it, it went to the level where in this county at one point in time, the, the lawyers, the hotshot lawyers for the paternal order police mm-hmm. came up with this one. And we saw it suddenly. We were facing it in a number of places all at once in different police forces. That's how you know it came from the hotshot lawyers. And it was that all they had to do was say, I don't know if you have a gun in that camera or not. What? <laughs> so that's what they did. Now, I went to a detective, two detectives. And I tracked him down at a, a DJ's office after they, threatened my one associate with arrest and, and stated that to him. And I pointed the camera at him and I said, "Can you tell the difference between a gun and a camera? And if you can't, what kind of cop are you?" <laughs> 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 you know, maybe you shouldn't be a detective.
2: <laughs> yeah, like
1: like no no offense here, but how how the hell are you going to put a gun inside an iPhone? <laughs>
0: Well, no, no, we don't use iPhones. One of the things in the state of Pennsylvania, we're a two-party state. So at all times you have to have the other party be informed. This is what we would tell them, is it's not surreptitious. I can film you on the street because you see I have this big camera. You know it's a camera. You'll see one video on my website where the then district attorney, who's now a judge, says, you don't have my permission to record me. Like, he says it ten times in a row. Are you going to turn off the camera? He's at a police summit. The FBI, the Drug Task Force, they're all surrounded, about 50 of them in this circle. Mm -hmm. It's about 10 years ago, and they had a conference, and I stood up when they had public comment. Well, I sat up in the table like I belong there, and I stood up and I said, I want to talk about the crime when police officers commit crimes against citizens. And, of course, they put the hammer down and shut the meeting down <laughs> but so then i put a, a camera on the DA and i said i want to talk to you about why you prosecute innocent people primarily me because i'd up by then i already gotten four or five expungements for my charges that i was i had beaten right and uh, so he started in with that and he said in front of all these witnesses you're going to film me and i told him i said you have a right to uh, shut up if you don't want me to record you and uh, he didn't like that, but, I mean, that was the truth. And so when, at one point in time, I remember when I was working on a a cold case homicide with a Lancaster detective, and I went in, and he was coming out the DA's uh, door, and I said, Hey, how you doing, Jan? He said, Since retired. real. He was a good guy. And I said, Good. And I said, Who all is trying to get me arrested this week? And he said, You know, that has become a bit of a sport around here. Unreal. The DA told me a few years ago, he said, I tell people, you want me to charge them all the time. And I charge them and I get a probation out of them. And he chases my guys down for two years with cameras. He said, if you got something I can put, this is him telling me. He said, I told people, if you got something, I can put them in jail for seven years. Bring it to me. If not, don't even come to me.
1: Now, it's not as if you're using hidden cameras. You're using full size. What what would it be like a full size broadcast camera?
0: Oh yeah, yeah, like they would use on reality TV. Okay, yeah, that's so, what so, is, I only use those. So, well, so how can they? I'm always using a camera, and they cannot claim that I'm exactly. being surreptitious.
1: Exactly. Exactly. And
0: recording them against their without their knowledge.
1: Unreal.
0: But it's been quite a quite a journey, and but it's just wonderful to see now that everybody films the police, and and it certainly has changed the world because when they have cameras upon them, they act differently. I mean, we did. Uh, I spent three and a half years on a local police department down here Mm -hmm. to the level where we finally got them voted out and they don't exist anymore. But still, they're calling me into a deposition and trying to get my sources. They put an order just recently before a judge to enforce the depositions because I didn't show up last time. I told them ahead of time, don't waste the taxpayer's money. I won't be there. (laughs) You can do fine without me. (laughs) But they're trying to get it so I'll be put in jail if I don't show up and tell all of my witnesses or all of my sources on this story that proved that he stole money from uh, you know, all different ways. Right. Stole money, stole services, stole gas. Oh, Lord. Uh, pension. Pension's a big one. That's the big one. That's where they're really robbing us. But...
1: um Look what the uh, look what the cameras uh, did when it was um, what was the name of the the gentleman's name uh, George what was his name Up in New York where they oh my God it wasn't that, what was that two years ago
0: It's been over the last few years now. Yeah. You've seen a number of them, and I can't watch them. It's just it's too painful. And I also realize how close I mm-hmm. came to being one of those people over and over again. And I thank God that somehow. I made it through all of those confrontations without ending up shot because they certainly uh, know they can get away with it. Back in those days, at least.
1: The times are changing, my friend.
0: Yes, yes, and, and it's a it's a good thing in many ways. Do you now t- there will always be those who take it too far. Of but, course. Uh, you know, I'm a I'm a libertarian. I believe in people's freedom and their rights, and I don't like any group of people who can infringe upon them and then'll all lie for each other on the stand. your viewers may not be aware of you're probably familiar with the term accommodation perjury yes and this is where police officers have an understanding that when they go into the court they read the police report of the arresting officer and they bend and and lie understand the, the truth to fit that uh, that statement so you know, all you have to have is any cop who wants to charge you and put you in jail, and all the other cops, like a street gang, will pile. on like when I played football in North Jersey, <laughs> <Seems>. <laughs> you got tackled. There were six guys following on. <laughs> and, uh, and, and, and I got to tell you, there's no feeling like being on a, a defendant in a court over and over again and watch these guys go up there and lie like, Professional liars without any compunction, and they're so good at it. And I'd say to them, you know, if you would do this to try to get me for filming you or for exposing you, what would you? How would you break the law to prosecute someone for murder if you didn't like them?
1: That's right. Listen, you and I have to take another break for the news. Fascinating topic. Yes. Yeah. That's my producer saying, hey, you're going a little late, buddy. Okay, I got the message, Greg. Watch it, I'll get uh, Ben to come down here and start filming you. That'll teach you. <laughs>
2: <laughs> That's
1: funny. Ben uh, Vonderheide and I will be back on the other side of this break. If you'd like to find out more about Ben, visit daddyjustice.com. I'm Rob McConnell. This is The X Zone, a place where people dare to believe and dare to be heard. It's a place where fact is fiction and fiction is reality. And we come to you Monday through Friday from 10 a.m. Eastern until 2 a.m. Eastern on the Talkstar Radio Network, Mutual Broadcast Network, and the Exxon Broadcast Network. Don't go away. We know you can't get enough of your favorite flavors.
0: Luckily, Kroger free pickup makes it easy to grab what you need without any surprise fees. Whether it's extra buns for the barbecue or those chips you just can't quit, start your cart with the Kroger app. Kroger, fresh for everyone. $35 order minimum restrictions may apply, subject to availability.
1: It's the big $10 sale, so mix and match and get two, three, four, five, or even 10 for $10 with your card. So many great deals. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Welcome back, everyone. The Beatles with In My Life. They were the good old days. You could actually go to a restaurant and fill yourself up for under two bucks. And you knew the bread was fresh when you got a hamburger bun, because if it was more than two days old, it would go moldy. Not like today. I had a guy on last year, Ben, who was telling me that he does experimentation with takeout food. And because of all the chemicals that are in the fast food industry, he had a hamburger from a well-known hamburger joint, and I'm not going to mention McDonald's name. That 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 didn't that didn't go bad after six months.
0: Well, this one of them still sitting in the guy's belly from five years ago. What, are you kidding me?
1: Yeah, probably. Yeah, probably. That explains a lot.
0: Uh, That's awesome. That's, well, I don't have that. I don't eat those things. So I'm okay with that.
1: Good for you. Uh, Tell us a little bit about the libertarians. Like, we see it on the Canadian news up here when we watch the U.S. feeds. Uh, Like, there's a TV show that's on A&E called Court Cam. And they feature libertarians sometimes in court. And they, they make it really hard on the libertarians who... You know, they they want to use the cameras in the court, and uh, others that are saying, "Hey, listen, you know," or that is is or is that a different group of people? Are they called sovereignists?
0: Yes, I think you're looking at, but they cross over. I'm sure a lot of libertarians would be into the sovereignists. Okay, my friend W.D. Wainwright Dawson was an intelligence operative way back in the days of Barry Goldwater mm-hmm. in D.C. and and uh, um, he, would, he told me that he went. He was the first libertarian registered to vote in Washington, D.C., and he went in to sign up, and the woman looked at the paper and looked up to him and said, Librarian? And he said, No, libertarian. <laughs> they, didn't even, they didn't even know what a libertarian was. I mean, libertarian is very basic. Rob, is it, you yeah. know, uh, uh, first of all, none of us are going to be the same. Here's the, the thing. Why did the libertarian chicken cross the road? I don't know. Am I being entertained? <laughs> <laughs> libertarian to me just very, very simply means that we believe in the in the sovereignty of the individual's rights. Now, do I then go around violating what are the current statutes? because i believe that my constitutional rights supersede them Mm -hmm. no because i'll go to jail right so you know when you know i've been accused before i've been a number of courts where they'll make me turn my pockets inside out and search me and but i'm not going to go in there and and film and record illegally and get caught i'm going to play just you know, my one friend, Ron and I were in the courthouse one time and the sheriff deputy was saying, You guys are cross the line and and we said, No, no and drew an imaginary line with our finger. We said, No, you guys tell us where the line is. We just ran right up to it and go, Nah nah na <laughs> And you come over and hit us. <laughs> but uh yeah, I mean, as far as I'm concerned, libertarian is generally speaking that in all regards I think people should be free. Yes and government should serve them and not rule them in any regard and in the very simplest form i believe that would fit with all libertarians is if there's no victim then there's no crime leave people alone yeah.
1: i think the governments have attained way too much power way too much but that's just my opinion
0: well as we've seen as we've seen recently i mean i i'm living in the the land of the free and the home of the brave where people voluntarily gave up their right to breathe oxygen and opened their stores that their grandfathers on their fathers built and let them go into zero because mm. the governor told them to wow. i mean i'm astounded i never would have thought that we had that we uh, were willing to bend and break that quickly to the fear that was mongered up by the uh, medical industrial complex and the politicians who have obviously used this to gain immense amounts of power and money.
1: Let's change the topic here. I'd like to talk to you about the ancient alien stones. Tell me about them.
0: Yeah, Nomali. Um, Nomali Western, they come from West Africa. Mm-hmm. They're carved figurines. And Rob, I'm going to venture a guess. You've been doing this show since 1992, and you are on the forefront of all these things, and I'm going to guess that these are so obscure and have been so suppressed that you may have never even heard of them.
1: You're correct, sir.
0: And I can tell you that because we went, my son spent a couple of years reaching out to gather any information we could in regards to the book that we are in the process of writing, and, and we found no one in the circles of consciousness, in the circles of crystal healing and mm. shamanism in the continent who had heard of them who had used them which was surprising to me i had had them for many years and thought that other people knew of them as i did but it, then we went to the gem show up in new york and sat there for some days and again no one had ever heard of it. we went to the mufon international and uh, even bill burns who started the tv show ufo hunters mm-hmm. and um when he walked over, I got him to come over to the booth. He had never seen them. So absolutely amazing. that. Uh, now, so you might think, do they really, are they real or is this something fake? Well, they're figurines. They're dug up in West Africa. They were first, uh, first known about by the outside world in the 1400s. Portuguese sailors uh, reported having seen them. They were first written about in the 1850s, Thompson on Africa. Thor Heyerdahl mentioned them in the 1950s in a book he wrote and compared to, related them to Easter Island. Uh, there was the TV show Unsolved Mysteries, Unexplained Mysteries, uh, did a piece in 1992 with a very interesting character named Angelo Petoni, who... Mm-hmm. If it weren't for a couple pictures, there would be no proof he ever existed. And a slight mention of him in the resistance, another operative. And uh, the stone he found uh, was featured on air, and that was dated to 17,000 years. So the Nomali stones are figurines. They're carved. They are made out of soapstone. They're made out of some of granite, some of sandstone, some may be meteoric. They range from a couple of inches to as much as a couple of feet in height. And the traditional basic Nomali would be an image of a Nomali god. The Nomali gods were said by the natives to have come and lived amongst them long ago in the beginning of man, and that they were large beings in their Eyes were so bright you couldn't look at them, and their voice uh, transmitted or was so loud that it could be heard in other villages far away. And that the, their belief is that none of these were carved by humans. They were given to them by the Nomali gods. They are different images, figure, or different uh, motifs, and for different purposes. They are mostly found, well, they're only found in Sierra Leone, Liberia, and Guinea. They're primarily found randomly buried in the jungle. Nobody Mm -hmm. really knows who buried them or how long ago. It's not a written society. So, uh, yes, amazing. So, as it turns out, I've become the world's foremost uh, proponent, and and a uh, person exposing the anomaly, as they rise up again, they're very powerful stones, they're healing stones. They'd be used by the shaman, by the medicine women, right? by the chiefs. And, um,
1: so so what have you used these stones for?
0: Oh, every, you know, uh, everything you can use them for. I, I don't have doctors. I haven't been a no, no eh? doctor in 45 uh, years, maybe, uh,
2: hmm.
0: except if I need sewed up or bone fixed once or twice, but then I don't go back. Um, so I use them for healing purposes. I've also, we in the last couple of years have reactivated them by putting them in the hands of shamans in the United States who have been using them in, in their healings. I have witnessed other people use them for um, purposes of seeing. Mm-hmm. I've seen people hold them and and have visions of, long ago really and uh yes yes at the at the MUFON show it was quite impressive Uh, there were people moved to tears there was a healing right at the show a man came with two women and they asked if they could hold a stone and do a healing and the man was having neurological issues he was kind of zombied out and they went over and they sat behind the booth in a couple chairs and you could feel
1: All right, Craig, I get the message. Son of a gun. He's getting cantankerous in his old age. <laughs> ben, stand by. You and I have to take another break or else he's going to have a fit over there. All right. All right, and uh, we'll be back I'm a on. Rule follower. I'm sorry? <laughs> I like to follow rules. All right. Obviously, uh, my friend up in the control room doesn't. We'll be back on the other side of this commercial break as we wrap up this hour here in the Exxon with our very special guest of this hour, Ben Vonderheide. The Exxon, www.exxonradiotv.com. And for the Exxon TV channel, visit simultv.com. everyone. Ben van der Hyde is our special guest. In this segment of the show, we're talking about the Ancient Alien Stones. And if you'd like more information on the Ancient Alien Stones, visit ancientalienstones.com. Ben, tell us more about this healing that you had at the um, MUFON conference.
0: Yeah, he was a, a man who was suffering neurological, and he mm-hmm. was with two female companions who were healers, and they used a stone and He immediately came back and was walking on his own without being held by the elbow, and and he came back around the booth over and again during Mm. the show and told us how much he had uh, experienced the healing and and told us then afterwards that later that night he felt like he was visited by what he felt might have been an alien um, entity, and that brought more healing. Wow. But we've seen uh, pretty amazing things, and now we're in the process of of put you know the, the there are no written records in that part of the world. So at this point in time, we're really creating the first ever written um, reports and written evidence of what can be done with the stones, and that's it's great. We've we've made some of the stones from the collection available after we exhibited them at the museum for a couple of years. And, and uh, those people that are using them and acquiring them will then contribute back uh, footage and or testimonials of, of their experience with them, and and uh, the energy will rise. And, and, of course, there are millions and tens of millions of descendants from those, that part of the world in our continent who have been completely disconnected from their ancestors. And, uh, you know, these have been suppressed and are obscure, not only to us, but to everyone. The only reason that they're coming out now is really because of Bill Diamonds, and he's off-planet now also. Many years ago, there was an attempt to recruit me into the intelligence community for work in West Africa, and that's where I met Bill. he was that guy who, when he realized there were diamonds in, in that area, he didn't care about the danger. He... Caught a plane to Freetown, a plane to Conakry, went into the bush in a goat plane, took a jeep as far as he could go, got out, and went into the jungle and came out six months later with friends and diamonds. Wow. And thereafter, he began uh, his career as a diamond smuggler. He would have been the true-to-life figure of Leonardo DiCaprio in blood diamonds in, the same, in that same area. Of course, without all the blood and guts because you don't go in there with a gun and shoot people and get out alive. There's a lot of them in there. Yeah. But, but anyways, you know, there's blood and guts, but that's not how you survive. So anyways, and, and he had been gifted the nomali by those in the bush that were his the people he had connected with. And, uh, and so that's where they, they came to me. over And we had had them for, again, many years until I even took them out. And then and tried to connect with others and realized just how little was known and how little they were being utilized. So yeah, the future is what's most exciting as they rise back up. And I think they, in my opinion, like any godly blessing force, angelic energy that is not being actively used, they want to come out and play. You know, they want to help people. That's what they're for. All for very many purposes. Are some are easy to look at. You can determine what exactly they're for. Others, when they're activated by a shaman, then they can determine what their specific purpose are. But, you know, you've got your fertility, your male fertility. A lot of them are for childbirth and protection of children. There are twin stones, number of twin stones that uh, come up, and, uh, and then there are those for the chiefs. The, the Mahanyade, or the series that are specifically chief stones that would be used for the, the ceremony of the enskinment of a, of a new chief, if you, as they would call it. And, uh, yes, we've also used them in a group meditation for the first time. We have video of some of these things. We also have some paranormal footage from my healer friend, the shaman Jeff in Bradenton, Florida. Uh, and we did a healing at the uh, New Hope Metaphysical I did a, a gathering up there with a group of people who none of had ever heard of Nomali, but were attracted to the presentation. And uh, wow, that was just so powerful. It was amazing.
1: Now, how many of these stones do you have?
0: Well, I've got some dozens of them myself.
1: And uh, you are you breaking... How big are they?
0: Well, they range from... There's, some only a couple of inches. Most of them range in the six. A lot of them range in the six to ten inch, and then there are some right. up uh, as a chief stone. I have is about eighteen inches tall.
1: And have has the the composition of these stones ever been identified by the scientific community?
0: Well, they are, you know, composed of of, st- of stone, of uh, basic stone. But there is one particular one that uh, Angelo Petoni found that dated back to 17,000 years old, and um, that one had a chromium ball in it. Hmm. And, of course, chromium wasn't developed until many years later by humans.
1: So do you think that these are actually stones that were brought here from another planet by the ETs?
0: Well, I always am very careful with interjecting what I think. I try to keep very straight to the facts that I know. Mm -hmm. Because I am a voice... Where there is no other, I don't want to say anything that's not accurate. So all I know is that the natives believe that the Nomali used the strata that was there and created them and then gave them to the natives. They would say that no, even back in 1917, Walter Edwin's book, he said that the natives would scoff at the idea that they were made by humans because no one carves them. And no one ever has. No one says my great grandfather made no money. <laughs> now that is true and not true because they were very popular. The British royalty collected them. They sold at auctions. They were very popular years ago. To the point of even in the early 1900s, there were there began to make and there were fakes in in the book again in 1917. Walter Edwin mentions that there was a theory that some were being made in the Orient and brought over and resold as Nomali, they were so popular. So the authentic ones right. are certainly more rare, although the uh, the replicas, if you would call them that, mm-hmm. or the fakes, are very abundant, which is so, interesting. You have something that nobody knows about, but they're fake.
1: So how can you tell the difference between a fake Nomali and the original?
0: Well, you know, I, I can't that I can look at one and mm-hmm. absolutely tell you uh, at all. I can, I can say that we had Professor Kwakua Forianza, who was the professor of African art at Howard University, authenticate ours. But more importantly, it's, the, you know, the, the tree by the fruit, uh, the results of what happens when they're activated and the healings mm-hmm. and what happens if you meditate with a stone or if you put it on a part of your body that is injured. Right. Um, that, is, that is the proof is in the, in the pudding, as they would say. That, you know, it's, uh, it, it almost sounds as control. if they
1: work like the crystal skulls do.
0: Yeah, in fact, uh, Jeff, my friend Jeff, the shaman in Bradenton, was on the crystal skull tour. He was, and he has uh, some phenomenal crystal skulls, which are sitting around his altar right next to the nomaly down there. He calls them anomaly. Right, and yes, so it was uh, very similar to uh, the energy of the crystal skulls, I think, but divergent and different. Uh, they're they're unique. Mm-hmm. There is nothing exactly like them, and um, yes.
1: So, are are there any more of these stones back in Africa, or oh, yes, they they are, right?
0: Oh yes, And deep in the bush. Mostly, I mean, there's an encroachment. Of course, one of the reasons why they're suppressed is those areas are heavily um, infiltrated by the religious, uh, yeah, the fanatics. And I consider a fanatic someone who's willing to kill someone else if they don't believe in the same God they do. So, yeah. <laughs> you know, so I'm not talking about good Christians exactly. and Muslims who love each other. I'm talking about the ones. And so in the, in this part of the world, they're they're very pr- prominent mm-hmm. and. So they, will, they would literally—in fact, we do know of a couple of years ago a woman who was in the process of moving some nomali around, around who was killed in a fire in her house suddenly, and all the nomali were burned up.
2: Oh, my gosh.
0: So there's an encroachment, but they do—along the lines of the encroachment, if you will, they, they, they do allow sometimes for the Muslim— Um, celebrations but the nomali will still be included over a period of years they'll start to push them out and eventually those may become available
1: hey Ben our time has run out for tonight I want to thank you so much for joining us I'd love to have you back on in the future so we can continue both topics and uh, you know I, I think what you're doing when it comes to the filming of the police, the lawyers and the judges is a great thing, keep the great work up
0: Thank you very much. And you, too.
1: All right. Thank you very much. Take care of yourself, my thank friend.
0: You for letting the Nomali rise on your show. They picked your show to come out to all of your listeners. You're the first contact, and uh, that says something for you.
1: All right. Thank you very much for your time, and uh, I look forward to speaking to you again in the future. Take care of yourself, my friend. Many blessings. Peace and fine. to you as well. All right, Exonation. Nation, I'll be back on the other side of this commercial break as we continue with the world of the paranormal, the science of parapsychology from our broadcast center and studios in Crystal Beach, Ontario, Canada. Don't go away.